Good morning, NBCC. We are so excited to have you here with us this morning. If you're new here today, we want to get connected with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen. Here at NBCC, there are so many ways to get involved in serving. So go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so you can see where God's calling you and get involved. This morning, we're going to start off our service by worshiping. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time. I count on one thing Seeing God never fails He won't fail me now He won't fail me now He's in my waiting Seeing God is never late He's working all things out He's working all things out Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for the day that my heart is heavy.
There's a rain stream, the heart is on the fire When rain and the walls are closing in When I look at the space between where it used to be in this memory See, I know I will never be alone In the fire Standing next to me There's another in the wars Holding back the scenes Should I ever be reminded Of how I've been saved There's a cross that bears my burden Another time for me Cause on my dead there is it beneath the wall There's no other name than the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. There come one man in the space between all the things and seen in this reckoning. For I know I will never be. I know I will never be
As we conclude in our music portion of this service today, our worship doesn't have to stop. We can continue on worshiping by giving. We've tried to make this as easy as possible for you, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website to give this morning. Super glad you're here with us today. I'm really excited. I love this series that we're in, uh, Ready or Not, studying the Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. And uh, today I want to begin by asking you a question. And the question I want to ask you is this. How would you answer the question, what does it look like to live the dream? For you, personally, in your life, right where you are, what does it look like for you to live the dream? You know, maybe, maybe you're a high schooler and the dream looks like just finishing school and getting done and get, getting off to college or a job and being independent from my parents. Maybe you're a college student and the dream is finishing the degree program and getting that first job and landing that and moving forward. Maybe the dream for you is kind of having a family and kids at some point down the line. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're a little older and your view and your picture of living the dream is like a, a very nice, comfortable retirement, sitting on the beach without a financial worry in the world. We've all got a different picture of the dream, right? Uh, we all have that dream. And for most of us, that dream is like just tantalizingly just out of reach, right? Far enough out of in front that we just can't quite get there, but close enough that we're still going to try. And uh, unfortunately, one of the things that happens sometimes is God gets presented to us as the person who's going to help us achieve our dream. That we're going to, that God's going to come alongside me and make my life everything I want it to be. That I'm going to follow God and he's going to be happy about that. So he'll bless me. And then we both get what we want. But there's a problem with that, right? I hope you can see that. See, if, if all I'm doing is recruiting Jesus to come along with me and help me accomplish my dream, that's not following Jesus. That's actually asking Jesus to follow me. And I hope you see the problem with that. Let me tell you this. God's plan is not to fulfill your dream. God's plan is to replace your dream for your life with his plan for your life. And I'm telling you that whenever that happens, whenever God replaces your dream with his plan, that is a massive, massive upgrade. The passage we're looking at is in 1 Thessalonians. It's chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 9 to 12. And in this passage, Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, and he kind of provides them a roadmap, a roadmap for living the dream. But it's not a roadmap for living their own dream. It's a roadmap for living God's dream. So if you're looking for a passage that, uh, and a message that helps you like make all the financial right steps to meet your financial goals, to make your life easier, to get ahead in life and accomplish all that you want to accomplish, these next 15 minutes may be a little disappointing for you. But if, on the other hand, you're interested in setting up a life that pursues God and asks, what's his dream for my life? If you want to learn how to step into his version of your life that he's planned for you, if you want to make God known and have an impact for him in this world, then this passage provides a roadmap to that. 
going to start at verse 9, and this is what Paul writes. He says, Now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Let me just ask, do you want to live God's dream for your life? If you do, the first thing we're going to have to do is to live a life of love. I'll say it again, to live God's dream for your life, you're going to have to first live a life of love. And we all know that's easier to say than to do. And we have a sense of what it means to love one another, right? It means about stepping outside of our own comfort zone and our own self-interest and actually looking out for the interest of others and taking care of them. It means following Jesus' example of being uh, loving even our enemies and being kind to those who are mistreating us. It means setting aside our selfishness and preferring others and looking out for their best good even ahead of our own. That's hard to do. And, and Jesus' example is that we don't just do that when it's easy. We especially do it when it's hard. But if we're going to accomplish God's plan for our life, it starts there in living a life of love. And Paul says something here that's really important. I want to make sure that we catch this together. When he writes to the Thessalonians, he says, I don't even have to write to you to instruct you to love one another. Why? He says, because you've already learned it directly from God himself. I think that is a captivating idea. I think it's fantastic to know that, yes, when we come together in church on a Sunday, we can learn from a sermon that's being presented or when we're in a life group, or when we go to a Bible study, that there are people there that can teach us things that we don't know and help us to grow in our faith with God that way, that that's true. But you know that the most powerful growth and the most powerful learning that comes is when God teaches it to you directly. Do you know where that happens? That happens in that quiet place that we carve out where we just spend time with God. God will teach us things we need to know directly in Scripture. And I know a lot of people feel like, well, I'm not a biblical scholar, and uh, I don't have a Bible degree, and I don't even necessarily understand everything I read in the Bible. How is God going to teach me in this, from this book I don't understand? Can I tell you one of the greatest prayers ever to pray? When you sit down at whatever time you set aside for being with the Lord, and you get ready to open the Scriptures and to read and to look into that, to say, God, in this moment that I'm about to spend, would you shine your light on this scripture? Would you bring to light things you want to teach me? Would you reveal to me and illuminate to me through your Holy Spirit what you want me to know today? And I promise you, if you pray that prayer and then engage in reading the Bible, what you're going to find is in the midst of reading, there's going to be phrases that God just lights up and brings to your attention. There are going to be insights that He speaks directly into your heart that are exactly what you need to hear and to learn for that day. It's one thing to be taught by another person, but there is nothing better than when the Spirit of God teaches you directly. That's part of what it is to live a life of love, is to learn to love God's direct teaching to us. And Paul also says in this section, in this passage, he, it's interesting, he tells them, I want you to do this more and more. You've been doing a great job. You're really good at loving one another. Keep going a little more. You can improve. You can get better and better. You know, that's what coaches do, right, in sports. Co great coaches take really good athletes who are really good at what they do, 
and they draw just a little bit more out of them. They ask them to work just a little bit harder. They, they identify places where improvement can be, and they often get more out of that athlete than that athlete ever dreamed that they had to offer, right? That's what good coaching is. Let me ask you about where that coaching is in your life. Who are the people in your life who are saying, you're doing a great job. You're growing in your faith. You're growing in your understanding of God's word and of his love. You're living that out really well. Now, a little more. Here's how you can grow. You know where that takes place for me more than any place else? It's in a life group. Because it's one thing to come on a Sunday morning and have a message that's to a couple of hundred people all at once. But when I'm with a group of eight to ten people who know me, that I'm walking through life with, that I'm sharing the details of my life, the struggles, the triumphs, the victories, the needs, and we're all walking through that together, these are the people who challenge me to love a little better, to love a little more, to press into Christ a little bit deeper. And if you feel like maybe you've not been growing and taking positive steps in your relationship with the Lord, I want to invite you to step into a life group because that's one of those places where that kind of encouragement, that kind of exhortation, and that kind of growth takes place. So that first mile marker on the road to living God's dream in our life, it's about living a life of love. That's exactly what it is. So let's look here at what Paul gives us as a second marker, can we? And that's in verse 11 when he writes this. He says, And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we have told you. And i got to be honest, this is one of those points where my dream for my life can really diverge away from God's plan for my life, right? And that's because our culture tends to celebrate like ambition and success and celebrities who make big splashy noise about things and call attention to what they're doing. We tend to love and to celebrate the big winner that makes the big noise. And we tend to... Uh, we tend to dismiss the very thing that Paul is actually calling us to, which is kind of a quiet life. The quiet life in our culture doesn't get a lot of attention. So this is one of those points where you have to say, hey, am I going to pursue God's dream for my life? That's going to look like a quiet life. Or am I going to pursue culture's dream for my life, which might look like something entirely else? Paul says, Look, in addition to living a life of love, if you're going to find God's dream for your life and live that out, you're going to have to live a life of peace. To live a life of peace. And so specifically, what does that look like? Well, one of the things to live a life of peace is just to live above the noise. To live above the noise. Because, right, there is a lot of noise in our world. You turn on the news, and I don't care from which end of the spectrum you get your news, you turn on the news and listen, it's just a lot of noise. You turn on ESPN, and it should just be a game, but it's broadcasters back and forth arguing this hot take versus that hot take and trying to talk each other down. You hop on social media, and there's just noise, 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 noise. Everyone has an opinion on just about everything, and everyone has to prove to everyone else that their opinion is better. It's just loud. And I know what my own tendency is when I get around all of that noise. My tendency is to like scream at the top of my lungs, everybody be quiet. And that doesn't help. It just contributes to the noise. 
And sometimes I'll even enter, enter into the fray and enter into the conversation. And yeah, my goal might initially be to bring truth to the table, but sooner or later I'm just contributing to the chaos and the craziness and the noise. I'm not living a quiet life. I'm actually a willing participant in the chaos and in the shouting match, and I'm actually helping to raise the volume for everybody. But, but what if I could live above that noise? What if I didn't get sucked down into it? But what if I could live above the noise? One of my favorite pastimes over the course of my life has been backpacking. My family, from the time I was a young kid all the way through, we'd go up into the mountains this year in Nevada's up out of uh, Bishop or Mammoth Lakes, and we'd go backpacking. And, and one of the things I loved was when you're kind of in the town and you're in the village or whatever, there's noise, there's cars, and you go down to the grocery store and it seems like half the world is there. And there's just a lot of hubbub and excitement of people on vacation and doing things. But then when you got out and you got hiking and you got off the main trail that everybody's on and you go on a slightly more obscure trail and switch back after switch back up the side of the mountain and, and the, the higher you got and the more the elevation rose, the more the noise faded out beneath you until you found these beautiful, quiet, empty places that were absolutely still and completely quiet. And in that quiet place, the mountains take on a whole new level of beauty. And in that quiet, silent place, there's a peace that settles in that allows you to just enjoy the grandeur of God's creation in that moment. There's something about getting up above the noise and letting it fade out and being quiet that brings us close to God. So here's the deal, right? We can't, every, we can't just every day run off backpacking to the top of some 12,000-foot pass. That's not how it worked. So how do we live above the noise? Well, one of the things we can do, one of the things we ought to be doing is carving out time every day, a spot in every day that we carve it out and say, this is my time to be still. This is my time to be quiet. This is my time to turn off whatever it is that normally captures all of my attention and all of my focus and shut that down and say, this is just a still moment for me and God to be together. And some of that time will be spent, I'm sure, reading the Bible and other time is spent just in prayer, talking to the Lord about what's going on and uh, asking for his presence and his help and listening to what it is that he might be speaking to our heart, those moments are powerful. We've got to live above the noise, right? We've got to do that. Secondly, Paul says this other thing. He says, um, mind your own business. If we're going to live a life of peace, we've got to follow that particular instruction really well. We've got to mind our own business. That means let's not get drawn into everybody else's business. I don't know about you. Sometimes I just find myself scrolling through social media and I might start, I'm just looking for a distraction or something, but I find myself taking this ridiculous joy in, in finding stupid posts that I disagree with and saying, oh, that person's an idiot or that person doesn't know what they're talking about or this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I find myself actually looking for things to get mad at on social media. And none of it is my own business. Paul would say, look, if you want to pursue God's plan for your life, you've got to mind your own business. Don't get, up, get caught up in every opinion that's out there. Don't get caught up answering every question that's out there. 
Instead of asking the question, what should they be doing? How should they be thinking? How should they be conducting themselves? Maybe ask the question, God, what are you asking of me? God, what are you directing me today? What are you calling me to do today? How are you asking me to change so that I can glorify you better? That's what it means to mind our own business, to tend to the things that really, truly matter. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, he writes down and he says that the Lord showed us what it means to mind our... He shows us what, what our business is and what we should be about. He says, he's shown you, man, um, what the Lord requires of you, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. That's our business. That's the thing we should stick to, to do justice. That is, to recognize that every last person that we encounter bears the image of God. And that makes them valuable, and that makes them precious, and because of that, we should treat them right with all the dignity that a bearer of the image of God is entitled to. Treat people well. Do justice. To love mercy, that is, to, to have an open heart towards the weaknesses and the failures of others. So that when someone makes a mistake and someone does something that even is difficult and it brings harm and difficulty to me, to be generous with mercy, to be generous with forgiveness and grace and to make allowances and say, people are as broken as I am. And I love it when I receive mercy and grace and I love that God has poured out His mercy and grace on me. And so I am going to just flood the life of other people with mercy and grace wherever I can to do justice, to love mercy, and then to walk humbly with God. To recognize that God's, then what Jesus said, follow me, that's a high honor. And he didn't call us because of our own merit and because of what great potential we have and because of anything within us. He called us simply because of his own love. And we can follow him humbly, not being full of ourselves, but humbly following and obeying everything that he says and does. If we're treating others well, if we're forgiving freely with mercy, and, we're, and if we're pursuing a, hum, a humble following of Jesus, that's what it means to mind our own business. And that's going to help us leave, lead a very peaceful life. And then find, the third thing about leading a peaceful life is you've got to make a place for rest. Because there's no peace where there is no rest, right? And so part of that rest, you know, rest never just randomly occurs. You've you got to carve out space for it. That daily time alone with God, that's going to create rest that produces peace. This was so important in the Old Testament that amongst the Ten Commandments was this one, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, right? Among the Ten Big Commandments, God says, look, there's one day a week that you just gotta, you gotta stop with the work. You gotta get off the hamster wheel and the craziness and hitting every appointment and doing all the chores and getting it all done. One day a week, you gotta set that aside and leave space to focus on the Lord and to worship Him and to simply be in a restful place with your family, with your friends, and with the people that matter. Let me just say that if, if you feel like maybe your life is not a peaceful place right now, and you're struggling to find the peace that you know God has promised to you, one very practical thing you could do is begin to experiment with this idea of Sabbath, of turning Sunday not just into the day that you go to church, but a day that you begin by being in fellowship at church, and then you extend by setting aside all the to-dos, setting aside all the labor, setting aside the rat race, and just saying, I'm going to create a day that's recreational, that's enjoyable, 
that's relational with the people in my home and which allows me to focus and enjoy focus on God and enjoy Him throughout the day. And I believe that what you're going to find there is a deep place of peace that you might otherwise have missed. So Paul says, look, there's a dream God has for your life. Maybe different than the dream that you have, but God's dream is going to, you're going to accomplish it by living a life of love and living a life of peace. And then he writes this. He says, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Paul says, you've got to live a life of love and you've got to live a life of peace. And then you've got to live a life of purpose. God's plan, God's dream for your life involves a very deep purpose. And it's tied up in the words of this passage when it talks about winning the respect of others in your daily life. See, ultimately, as we follow Jesus, as we become more like Him, one of the things that happens as we live a life of love and peace is that's attractive to those who see it. And it wins the respect of others. I want to ask you about the others in your life. Who's, who's that person? Who's the family member? Who's the coworker? Who's the employer, the employee, the neighbor? Who's the person in that sports league? Whatever it is, who's that person that, you know what, I, I believe God might use me to win their respect, not because I'm so respectable, but because God's so good. There's a mission God has for you, and He calls you to embrace it. And so in following Jesus and in living a life of love and peace, part of that is that positions you to have credibility when you speak with that person. And I want to challenge you, if a specific person came to mind as I've been talking, that's your person over the course of these next couple weeks, especially heading up towards Easter. This is a person for you to be praying for. This is a person for you to be caring for and reaching out towards. Maybe invite him to Easter. That would be awesome. But uh, God wants to use you to win their respect and make the kingdom of God attractive. And that's an opportunity that you have to be a part of that. And it says, he says, and also that you do this so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Now, we all love the idea of independence and not having to rely on anybody else but ourselves. But I don't think that's what this passage is saying. I think to understand this passage, we have to understand something really critically important that when God pours out His blessings upon you and me, they're not intended to end there. That when He blesses you and when God blesses me, the intent is that He is just equipping us to take that same blessing and to pour it out on others. Why is it important that we're not depending, dependent on anybody? It's not just for our own comfort. It's that God actually intends for us to be the channel of His blessing to others. And so by living a life of love and living a life of peace and minding your own business and working with our hands and doing all the things he suggests, this puts us in a position where we won't be just dependent on others. We'll, we'll be seeing God's blessings pouring into our life. And then rather than being dependent on others to bless us, we actually be the we are become the people that God has supplied to pour out blessings on others. Are you in a, are you in a place of um, need today? I just want to say God wants to meet that need and pour out a blessing on you and to meet you at the point of that need. Are you at a point of plenty this morning? If you are, I want to say praise God for that. Now, how are you going to translate that into blessing others and into loving them in the way that God directs you? 
There's a challenge there to take the blessings we receive and to say, how would God have me navigate this blessing and multiply it so that it impacts not just me, but many others? You know, that mindset, others first, brings us all the way back around to the beginning of this conversation. Others first is the central idea around the kind of love God calls us to. And uh, that doesn't come naturally. It takes a change in heart. And it might sound foreign to you today, because maybe you're one of those people who've never come to the point where you've said, I'm done trying it in my own strength. I, I've, I need help. I need a God who's more powerful than I am, who can lead me into, the, into his promised land. Well, let me just tell you, if, you never, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you can do that today. And I'd love to help you with that. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if this reflects your heart, you, you pray it with me. And, and if you do, there's an opportunity for you to indicate, hey, today I asked Jesus into my heart. We'd love to know that so that we can kind of follow up with you, talk with you, and pray with you. But pray with me if, if that represents your heart. Heavenly Father, I'm just at the end of myself. I'm not even sure I understand everything it means to follow Jesus. I just know that trying in my own strength is not producing the things I thought it would produce. And I recognize now that you have a calling on my life and a dream for my life which transcends anything I had on my own. And I confess I'm unable to get there on my own. And so, God, I confess. I, I, I confess of my sin and my brokenness, and I repent. I turn from it. I receive Jesus Christ by faith, and I want to make myself officially a follower of, of Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. I believe he's the way to know God the Father. And today I want to ask him into my heart and dedicate myself to following for the rest of my days in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to say if that was your prayer, it's the best decision you've ever made and we want to celebrate it with you. We've got some next steps for you, which includes some stuff we want to do. Uh, we're doing some baptisms around Easter and that would be a terrific next step. We want to help lead and guide you towards that as well. So if that's you, would you let us know that you made that decision? Um, we'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Live a life of love, live a life of peace, and live that life of purpose. 